2: Welcome to It Weekend Editions here at Tailbar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, is booting up that computer, so he'll join us shortly. A rum connoisseur is back from the Windy City. It is Damon Bar time. And find us all on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach, at Damon Bar with two R's. You survived last night somehow, some way. Just like Nebraska football survived to claim their third win on the season. We can talk about it. Numbers to get in this morning on Hale Varsity Radio. Weekend 466 3776 Five eight six five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Coming up on the program, it, it's been a busy week. So, uh, part of our rewind this first hour, the head coach uh, for Thomas Fedoni, Justin Camrat, will join us from Council Bluffs. Our he con- was a
1: good player himself, by the way, Chris. He, he was,
2: oh, you, you just surprised me. You just jumped Sorry, in here like you're a gremlin, in. and we're People like, don't understand the, 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 the People don't understand the
1: trials and tribulations of doing pandemic radio, right? Like, I'm here in Omaha. I got a microphone plugged into a computer. You're down there in Lincoln. We used to be able to be in person. That's not the case anymore. Right. When, yeah. when, when, when you, could go, when you decided- could go to games,
2: you were down here most of the time. And for a decade, plus, I'd drive up and we'd, we'd uh, see our smiling faces together up yeah. in, you know, Gary Sharp's studio. And... Then we would eat uh, massive amounts of of Canadian bacon and uh, scrambled oh, yes. eggs and and uh, kinds pork of sausage, pork with bellies from our friends at Stoisage. I mean, it was yeah. it was worth the drive. Hey, how to see, to see you. how fortunate was that? Oh, how fortunate
1: was that? We just got to explain this to people. So the the the, the show that followed ours was the the Great outdoors outdoor Radio with Show with Greg Wagner. Yes. Yeah, it's Greg Wagner, right? So it's always it's about hunting, fishing, Zadis all could those pop kinds of by things. a
2: few times, or you'd see, you know, an uh, ex right. husker in some camo, maybe it was Makavica. And right. uh we lost a lot of great souls this year in twenty twenty, but one of the the most genuine folks got ever put on this earth was jerry gray uncle jerry uh uh-huh. and uncle jerry would would roll in and we'd see we'd all put an office pool in once our night our show got done at nine jerry's first swear word we'd all put five bucks in the pot and some of us would draw three minutes after nine some of us would draw uh nine oh five but it was a, a weekly contest when uncle jerry drop an f-bomb and well chris uh you were yeah. mark uh Boys, get uh, hey. get a, get a sandwich and get uh, get, a, get a get a get a bleeping sandwich. Uh, there we go. So, Neil, Neil won the pool. <laughs>
1: so exactly. So we're there. It, the show ends at nine. Their show starts at nine. As part of that deal, and the, we the, eat the, like
2: the we've never owner, eaten before. <laughs> yeah, the owner of
1: stoicich walks up with just these ten like troughs. Ken. Of yes, Ken. All kinds of like sausage on ciabatta, mm-hmm. like spicy sausage. It'd be like Italian sausage links swimming in peppers. Like it's this complete smorgasbord, like dream world, at nine in the morning. Oh, wow, it was so perfect. Well, and what sausage. Happened to
2: that where's our where's our new like breakfast sponsor? Well, I don't know, and we'll we'll figure that out. But speaking of sausage and peppers, was Seen several episodes in Sopranos. There was always Tony, Mr. Tony, eating sausage and peppers. The king of North Jersey. Nebraska surviving in New Jersey last hey, night. Hey,
1: I see what you did there.
2: What the hell? That game had everything. It was a bad bachelor party. There was a farm animal. There was a stripper. There was meth. Uh, the police were called. Go through the list. And somehow, some way you survived to the next morning, Nebraska survived that yeah. football game. And brother, I'm, I'm torn because, and and I've got a new nickname for Rutgers and this, this credit goes to my nephew Dixon because I watched the first half with mom and, and Mark, my brother and, and the family. And then I just, I, I had to do the post game last night for real red reaction. So I, I went to my house to get set up and, we did the pregame at at uh, Gate Twenty Five. Love those folks for having us out. And I mean, I was I was in a foul mood. Look, dude, I I check my my fandom at the door, right? I I do. And growing up, going to Nebraska games, we all loved the Nebraska football. But you get into work, work is work. We look at it objectively, and there you go. But you're with family. It's December and you're watching this thing, and you're seeing Nebraska just roll. You're seeing a run game. You're seeing a game plan that is on the ground. It's not forced. Let's throw the football sideline to sideline for for two-yard gains. That that didn't work at times last night, but, you know, you look at the Minnesota game plan. Everyone's been pissed about that for a week and a half, and I get it. Yeah. And then you go into Rutgers, and, all right, here's Mills. Here's here's Adrian. Here's Here's <laughs> – here's Corcoran. I mean god that kid played well last night. And and then oh, uh the people are wearing sleeves. I get it. It's 22 degrees at kickoff. And and the fumbles happen and the interceptions and you see the the greatness of Adrian with with him running and throwing cuz man, he he looked good at times. But Adrian giveth and taketh away last night where uh, six of the the, the twenty one points are spotted because of of turnovers. Right, thank God the black shirts were like we're on hat we're we're not having any of this because of you know there's four turnovers and Rutgers gets six points off of turnovers. Cruikshank for the love of God, get him to transfer again because he's two for two against Nebraska with kickoff returns. So fourteen of the twenty one points are due to just horrific self harm by Nebraska football yet again. But it was absolutely par for the course for Nebraska football 2020. The difference is, is their margin of error prevented them from beating the Iowas and Northwesterns uh, of the world right. And you saw them uh, early in the year. They were unable to keep the game close against Ohio State, again, because of turnovers. Uh, The Illinois game was was ruthless uh, the way they came out. And again, you factor in the turnover bug. And then the Minnesota game. I mean, that was your difference last week. Nebraska got, got body punched, tired out in the second half defensively, and the two turnovers led to two scores. There's your difference for the Minnesota-Nebraska game in the Big Ten. Well, Nebraska overcame it uh, because Rutgers is that bad, but it, you, you shouldn't like just gloss over the fact Nebraska overcame it for a team that's Mentally unstable a lot of times mm-hmm. due to their self harm. So my biggest takeaway is, brother, Nebraska found a way to win. They put up a ton of yards. You saw a blueprint with power football last night. A lot of that was who the opponent was, but the point is, is Nebraska and Scott Frost in this offense stuck with what was working. Now uh, there was a time there where Nebraska got inside the in, inside the ten again. And it was a third down speed option that Nebraska got Wandale in, but they started throwing the bleeping football inside the ten, uh, and and Twitter was on fire. You know, you're running the yeah. football all the way down, and now you're you're throwing it. I get things shrink, I get the boxes packed, all of that. But uh, Nebraska was better. At just sticking with what worked last night, even though Nebraska tried to help Rutgers beat Nebraska last night, so it was, it was twenty twenty Nebraska football in a nutshell. You'll take it, Kranak, I don't know from a tone post game immediate reaction that Nebraska is real thrilled about playing another game uh, this season. I'd I'd like to see them play another game. But that's that's selfishness on my part, wanting more Nebraska football. I think everybody is exhausted. I heard Marty and McGee talking about Dabo Sweeney, uh, his description of just what 2020 has been for their team. And they kill everybody. Right. I mean, they're uh, they're they're it them and Bama and, and, you know, the, the usual candidates for the football playoff. So we'll see where Nebraska goes. It's been a, a, just a pure joy to watch Cam Taylor-Britt do his thing. Will Honus, uh, Stilly, that, that defense, man, they they really carried this football team a lot this year. And then it was nice to see Adrian gut through because uh, he was dinged last night, but he threw the ball better. There's still some some mistakes, and you can't ask an athlete to ever be perfect. But, man, just, just take away – half of those turnovers and this thing's a forty two twenty one win for, for Nebraska. It's just it's just maddening. But you you exhaled and you smiled if you're a Nebraska fan that uh despite your best efforts you found a way to win last night uh twenty eight twenty one. So uh there are silver linings in every ball game. The defense has gotten better. You saw Adrian do his thing. Wandale was nice. He got into the end zone. And uh thank you, Dedrick Mills for manning up and just mauling dudes because he felt uh, probably the best he's felt in a long time. He was really running downhill, and you saw a glimpse of what your offensive line can be good at, and that's firing off the football and running power game.
1: Yeah, and we've wanted to see that for quite a long time. And by the way, it's very good to have people back and joining us on the the run-the-ball bandwagon for a while. You've
2: been not only a member of the club, you've been the president for years. Listen. For
1: a while, people had deluded themselves into being like, "No, you not have to run the ball. You can do anything. You can pass the ball. You just got to do it better." And I think people finally really shut up. All right, it's <laughs> <laughs> here. You run the ball. Just period. Just stop questioning it. Just stop. Um, here's the other thing that I want people to stop questioning. And you see enough of this back and forth. On uh, granted, it's Twitter, which is a cesspool, but you even hear it some in person on the rare occasions that you can, I don't know, interact with a human being these days. That's not your immediate family. Um, this talk about how is this any better than Riley? How is this any better than Callahan? They, they would have quit last night As, under Riley. Thank you. Can, can I, I just pulled up just, just to remind people, can we just put this to bed for a second? Listen to, listen to the last three games in the Riley era. 54-21 to 21 to Minnesota. 56-44 mm-hmm. to 44 Penn State. And that one wasn't even that close. A lot of Nebraska garbage scratched points. scratched out a couple scores late when the fourth stringers were in. And then, then closing 56-14 at home to Iowa when Noah Fant ran like, it, it was like a track meet. I mean, just like untouched, f- streaking to the end zone constantly. Look, that, that team caved and quit. Granted, there was a lot of stuff swirling. It was obvious the writing was on the wall. But, but the team quit, let alone Northern Illinois at home, right? The team quit on Riley and crew. And then you go back to like Callahan 07. You know, th- those were just historically bad drubbings that Nebraska took. That is not where Nebraska is at right now. Scott Frost has this team. Hmm. Are, are Are there individuals maybe that aren't completely bought in? such as a left tackle whose job is to kind of protect the quarterback's backside that decides he doesn't want to participate you, you, in the for, final game of the year.
2: You can say former left tackle. But but doesn't doesn't
1: that tell you something? Right? And and I'm not saying that to criticize the kid. I get it. You look, if you if you look at it from just kind of an individual sort of libertarian point of it's view. It's a
2: business decision.
1: It's a business decision, you understand it. But, but really, like, it, it, doesn't that tell us something about the kinds you got all of sorts of personalities, personalities uh-huh. that you got on the team? Look, that's your look. Offensive linemen out of out of every position.
2: Very unselfish are, people.
1: Yeah, they're selfless, right? They're not about the individual. They feel a. a deep responsibility and have a deep amount of guilt when something goes wrong. You know what I mean? Like, do you, do you see how often when like a, a, an offensive guard or tackle gives up a sack or something it just looks like they feel the weight of the, war. you know, it's almost like they're getting admonished and in, in Catholic school in the 1920s, they just look so mm. crushed. It's roller in detention time. Yes. Right. That they let down the team and and, that, and you're having one of those guys. You're, you're kind of an all-time leader at starts as an offensive lineman. Just be like, nah, see you guys. Tied with
2: Searles, most career starts, 41. Like, wow. Okay, so it, to,
1: you know, when you talk about culture and buy-in and who you inherited and who you didn't, I, I just get the sense that the types of folks that you're bringing on now. And again, there's all kinds of people that can be successful. This is not an individual criticism. It's just more like what kind of team or what kind of team are you trying to build? And I just get the sense that more and more the roster is getting stocked with dudes that won't do that, especially along the offensive line. Mm. That, I mean, that's surprising to me. That is a surprise. A receiver, a DB, you know, that's super high level, first round pick material. You, you would sort of understand in a year like this, they're naturally a little bit more diva-like, <laughs> right? Mm. And especially if you're projected to be such a high-round pick. That's not the case here, though. This isn't a top-round. This is – it's a mid-first mid, mid – it's a mid-round NFL pick. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. It, it's just – I think I, that, you know, that says my, a lot.
2: my untrained eye says, you know, a five-through-seven-round guy. Maybe Maybe mm-hmm. he tests well and – well, you know, those guys... I mean, look at Nick Gates. Nick Gates is an undrafted guy that's been playing center and getting better for the Giants, right? So, no, I, I, I get it. And and it comes down, Act to commitment, right? Are are you committed to this program, great this word. team? And great. are you going to go out there and, and play for the guy to the left and to the right? I mean, that's... That's a great word. That's and Chris... That's what Scott said last night, and they've moved on from it now... I'm not going to focus on Hymas. I'm going to focus on a, a dude that was, was super high-level profile, and that's, that's Corcoran. And that guy came yeah. in, and, and I mean, it wasn't perfect, but damn, he was nice. And you, yeah. you, you clean up a little bit with Piper and Ben Hart, right? And Farniok had a good game last night, and then Jurgens, you know, was, was pretty much solid. I mean, Cranak, you can get back to doing what you want to do if you stick with it and emphasize it and and believe it's okay to run the football, you can still be wide open. You can still be Scott Frost, the tempo offense. You can still do those things, but man, you've been so successful when you just kind of hunker down and run the football.
1: Yeah. Now, it, not,
2: it, not everybody's Rutgers. I get it. But you saw the cumulative effect of running the ball in the first quarter and what happened in the fourth quarter? You had Rutgers dudes on all fours, and they were beat up. Oh, and they had guys dropping. They, they did. And that was you – know, Nebraska fans love that because you're I mean, ass-kicking you, somebody and then it's yeah. time to stop the fight. Right? You know, and linemen yeah. love it. They want to run the football. Mm-hmm. But you, just you br- let well, them you bring do up, it.
1: You bring up Corcoran, and look, full, disc- full disclosure – not an offensive line expert. I kind of feel like the only people that can break down offensive lines are former offensive linemen. Right. Okay. It's a, it's not the easiest thing. But what what you can see with the somewhat trained football eye, it, you saw a dude that number one is he can move. Right, he's he is he's athletic. At
2: least he looked moved. physical against Rutgers.
1: Yeah, his but his feet move quickly. He gets to where he's going quickly. There is no question about that. He gets extension, mm-hmm. right? So, like, he locks on a guy. He, I mean, he's really shoving dudes. And his, his arms are fully extended and guys are on their backs. I mean, he, that's a powerful, explosive, quick, large human being <laughs> that knows what he's doing. And I, I saw enough. And, and keep in mind, the guy had, what, 18 snaps coming into the game. He's essentially no experience at all and just did not care and just <laughs> did not care at all. And along that line last night, you were looking at three freshmen and a sophomore. I mean, that's pretty damn young. And they ended up with 620 yards, 620, now, 620 yards, Chris, against a, and, and, and you know, close to 400 on the ground a, against any opponent is good mm-hmm. against a conference opponent. Really good against a conference opponent on the road. Damn good. I don't care who it is Hmm. like that. You're not, you you have competence and strength along the offensive line. If you're putting up those numbers, just period. So it exists within Nebraska. It's there. And look, also, if we step back, uh, we're, you know, we're sitting here looking and we're breaking down 2020, but coming into this year, we didn't even know if there's going to be a season. Nebraska had three different schedules. There was, cancellations left and
2: right um very exhausting yeah. season it's oh, been an dude. exhausting he, year for the world and for loved ones and, yeah. and then you get to the air quote fun part of things and that's the game you love and watch yeah. and that's nebraska football and it's been a grind rick uh it's it's hard to rick,
1: put a lot of stock
2: yeah rick year. emails in chris at dot varsity.com frost uh, finally discovered we have a uh, a run game. And you know what? I'm going to give credit there. That's it should be a no-brainer, but I mean, good f- on Nebraska coach Austin and this unit offensively for for sticking with what's working. Now maybe their hand was forced because every time, I don't know about you, but you know, Adrian had dropped back, you're like, "Uh, I mean, he and then he he he'd zip it, man. He had he had a great throw to Wandale, he had his tight ends. Uh, He had way more good than bad, but the bad really could have cost and and has cost Nebraska with the turnovers, another red zone interception. But the way – Adrian looked fast and fearless running the football, and he took some shots last night, and he was a bit gimpy. But, man, um, thank you to Nebraska's offense for just sticking with what's working. I can't emphasize that enough because – you've seen them veer off from time to time going with, with what the rest of the world says should happen. They're coaches, <laughs> right. they're experts, they're paid to put a game plan together. but Overthinking. They, the, thank you. They overthought. Yeah. They didn't do so last night. Uh, you did against Minnesota. It cost you. That's the other thing. And just some of the response with the real red reaction last night, you go from, okay, great. They won. Uh, They blew both feet off, but they still made it to the emergency room. Wonderful. But you flip it around, even with those one score games, you could have had a a five or six win season. It could have been better is the point, right? It, It doesn't have to be three and five. It doesn't have to be five and seven. Okay. No. And that's that's no. that's the the point of contention. And a lot of these losses with one score games, it is turnovers, it is penalties, and people have been you know uh, on a march to to scream at Chenander about sending homeboy a, a holiday card saying, "Hey, dude, way to get your defense to play ball." <laughs> yeah. Look. <laughs> way to, I, I way to get your ball. Way to get your your, yeah. your your defensive your black shirts to to make tackles to continue to step up. I mean, how many times Rutgers could have seized control? Period. End of discussion so many times last night. Early in that game, after the kickoff return to take the lead back twenty-one fourteen. Defense kept getting wasn't quite three an ounce, but you know, damn it, it was it was two of thirteen on yeah. third downs. Last last three ball games, last four weeks for Nebraska, teams are are twenty-two, twenty-three percent on third down. That's drastically different than the fifty-five percent Different opponents the first three weeks versus the last four weeks, but point is, is they've gotten better. They tackle their their physical, and, and, and Nebraska doesn't and then, have hardly any wins this year without those black shirts.
1: And Schmidt, that's a, it, it's like it's across the board. So, so I mean, when I, I just think, look, Frost to me, still there's there's obvious there are issues with his plan or plans because I feel like he probably has like a
2: hundred plans. You got to narrow down, work. brother. You get. You got to. Right. You got to. You yeah, got really to really look at. You got to really look at you this off. year. Yes.
1: Yeah. W- one of those plans is just off. You got to figure it out. Like what? Why does the team play somewhat tentative at times? Why? Why do they do that? Which? Which is why it was so good. So good last night on that fourth and two to go for it, make it. Didn't right, hesitate towards the end of the game. Didn't hesitate. Right. It. You know. It's little things too, like Nebraska on kick returns, electing to fair catch it.
2: I mean, it's just little signals like that. I want him to start kicking the damn ball out of bounds, Cranach. 35 is better than starting at the 45 if you're Rutgers or the dude returning it. Yeah, I th- I just think it's look, it's about
1: <laughs> it's about a consistent message, you know. I just think there is there is some sort of inconsistency in there where, where things just don't aren't lining up, right? Attention
2: like, to detail, man. It's it's being a, a head coach for all parts of your team. Well, period. and when you
1: say things like when you make bold proclamations like no fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean everything you do because that's bold to say that. When you say that you, dude, you can't fair catch kick returns. That's a fear of failure,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean you just you have to look but at things. You don't like need that. to you, prove it to me on 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 second and goal from the seven throwing the football. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm I'm so so I'm so buoyed here that I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna throw the damn football inside the 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 ten. No, no fear yeah. of failure means scoring. It means yeah, well, handing it off to your running back, please. Well, it means a lot of it's it's and so
1: to me, I think that's what's ailing Nebraska the simple. more than
2: anything right
1: now is just those. There are some inconsistent things there. If like you're going to make a proclamation and you're going to be about it as a leader, you could you need to really be about it. You need to really be about it, and you got to look for what what are the mixed signals that we're we're sending. Why does the team? Why does the team turn over the ball at a ridiculous rate? Why do they drop the ball at a ridiculous? Like, why does it pick apart Six Sigma style? (laughs) Whatever the hell is going on, like you need to drill down into those things. But that's what you have to drill down into. This isn't a lost cause otherwise. And I think Frost and his team or his staff deserve the benefit of the doubt. When you look at the one, when you look at just his history in general, the dude doesn't fail. He just doesn't. He just hasn't. This is a this is the longest stretch of failure he's probably ever experienced in his life. It, two the, the losses, twelve of the twenty are one score, like literally one score. You f- you figure out a couple of those things. Like what will it take to f- just flip that? It, for as much crap as you want to talk about Frost or or, or the twenty twenty team, they're they're within a touchdown of Iowa, who's top twenty. Mm. They're within a touchdown in Northwestern who's top twenty. they're not that far.
2: No, they, they're they're not they, they aren't that far. The thing that's maddening is you see the same issues mm-hmm. game after game after game, and it's not the opponent beating you. Yeah. You just you just found somebody totally. that, that that couldn't take it. Nebraska had a lot to do with winning last night. Rutgers also had a lot to do with not seizing all those holiday gifts Nebraska gave out. Hey, look, Nebraska—it's it's, it's impossible, up, right? it's impossible, almost impossible to go minus three in the turnover on the road. All right, and win,
1: I, look, <laughs> and hey, win. Hey, keep in mind though. I, I mean, we could all say Rutgers is bad. Rutgers is bad. Look, they had <laughs> they they had three Big Ten wins this year. No, oh, I know they were all on the road, and uh, right, the same as Nebraska. And Nebraska put up way more yards on Rutgers than any other big Ten team figured the rest out there's been do. a lot of
2: empty calories they put up a boatload of <laughs> uh, yards on Iowa they put up a lot of yeah. put up 450 on Northwestern no one else has really done that but that tells you that something's in there right oh, like that, completely that's that tells that signals to me that like no you got some
1: stuff you got some stuff right it is about fit, drilling down on those details like what is it? What is it that's having you come up just short? Is it in – for instance, is it in practice when the the style of practice that they do is they do not like to correct in the moment. They like to keep it going fast. They like to keep the speed going, right? So just throwing this out here. I'm not saying this is the thing. But if there's a turnover in practice – You're all freaking running. Well, but just when that happens now, I'm asking – Considering what they've said about how practices run, no one gets to watch them. But but it's like it's basically they just move on, right? Like whenever there's you you correct you don't even correct in the moment, you you correct in the film room later. But it, it's just like you make an error, you just move on because it, it's all about pace and tempo. And you, you just false rep, start, rep, you get i I I have
2: I have my yeah. own practice set up at home for junior. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but is there is that a thing? And I th- those are the types of things I think they have to figure out. Like they, you have to drill down into those kind of details to figure out why. So is is that maybe why? in on turnovers happen because when they happen in practice, you just sort of move on, and there's not consequences. I, I don't know. That's maybe fair. not. That's maybe fair. not. But it's things like that that they have to drill down into.
2: Well, we'll dive in. Uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp's an hour away. Brandon Vogel will check in with us. Rewinds coming up. Kranak, and and, uh, Justin Camrad, really good coach. Council Bluffs, Thomas Fedoni, Uh, Nebraska's prized get on the signing day special Wednesday. We'll hear from Coach Justin Camrad. Also Teddy Prohaska, big time get from Elkhorn South. That's part of the rewind. Nebraska gets it done over Rutgers. This is Hail Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: with hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery with chris schmidt and mark
2: cranach we welcome in head coach for lewis central in sioux city and should say in council bluffs we were talking sioux city last Uh, segment bob's phone call uh justin uh camrad is with us the head coach of lewis central in council bluffs coach thanks for the time today how are you Doing good. How are you guys? Doing outstanding. Thanks for, for jumping on and wanted to talk about Thomas Fedoni and uh, his commitment to Nebraska. And, uh, Coach, uh, just a, a thought from you to start out, just just kind of the, the, the progression you've seen from, from Thomas and kind of his rise. If we could go back to, to your coaching time with him and the player that, that Thomas has become and, and kind of take us back to the starting point of, of when Thomas joined your program and his progression.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think the biggest thing for us is that we get to see our kids really, really early on um, here at Lewis Central. And we knew a lot about Thomas. We watched him play um, in middle school football um, and just saw his his progression and development as an athlete, you know. And and at that time, he was a quarterback and he was a running back. And, you know, he was probably one of the taller kids on the field and and knew that he was going to be pretty special, didn't know where he would end up, you know. And, And we've had some pretty good players and knew that, you know, if he was going to continue to play a quarterback, he was going to have to wait quite a while before um, before he would be able to step on the varsity field because you know Max Duggan was our quarterback at that time. Um, you know, and then as a freshman, obviously had a really good year. He had transitioned to to wide receiver for us, where just sort of trying to try to groom him to get him ready to to be able to play that position as well as playing you know outside linebacker. And then as a sophomore. Um, you know, he stepped on the field for us, um, playing our outside receiver, our you know our backside guy. And at that time, he was probably six three, uh, about one hundred and eighty pounds, and really long and really, really skinny, but, we, but very athletic. Um, you know, and, and so for us, you know, he did a phenomenal job um, playing playing on that state semifinal team, um, opposite uh, another good receiver for us, Jackson, who's currently at iOS. You know, had a great year, and then you know, with Max as a quarterback, um, you know, he was able to learn the intricacies of playing wide receiver, what it was take to get open, what was truly open, um, how to really maximize, you know, his abilities as a wide receiver, and and you know, that's where the that's where the process really started for him, and that's where we saw, you know, what he could truly really do for us, and and um, you know, over the next two years, you know, he really transformed his body, um, you know, obviously grew into the six six and and two hundred twenty five pound time that he currently is, and. It became more explosive and and obviously a lot faster. And, you know, he spent tons of time, you know, in the off season, especially you know during this last quarantine time of, of honing in his skills on, on route running and, and you know that kind of stuff. And and it really showed this year. You know, he excelled in, in a situation where many times you know the teams were not going to allow him to to get the football and. Um, he had to beat double coverage, and sometimes he was the decoy guy, and and some guys times he was the guy blocking for the other receivers getting the ball. And so we asked a lot of him. He played multiple positions. You know, he played our outside receiver, a slot receiver in the backfield for us because we had to get him open. And you know, so from an overall standpoint, you know, Thomas as a football player and athlete, you know, he has developed you know every step of the way, every minute away. You know, and, and yeah, obviously we were here for the process to watch it all happen. <laughs>
2: Coach uh, Justin Camrad with us, uh, head coach Lewis Central Thomas Fedoni uh, signing with Nebraska yesterday. All world talent. So, coach, was the work ethic always there to match the talent, or was it just pretty natural for him? And the, you know, the the peers around him and, and your guys' culture at Lewis Central, and I think guys like Logan Jones and Max Duggan. I mean, guys that are really successful at high-level programs doing really nice things. So you got peers helping peers along. What what kind of step forward was it for, for Thomas? Was it just an in, insane work ethic to get where he's at, or was there always the natural talent, but the work ethic was able to match that?
4: Yeah, you just hit it right on the head um, with, with Thomas and really a lot of those guys that you mentioned before. before. Um The fact that he was ultra-talented, and we knew that, but he also had a lot of guys losing him and showing on exactly what it was going to take to get to the next level. Um, You know, those guys that you talked about were were ultra-competitive individuals, football players, great leaders that were always the the first guy to win the last guy to leave, and I know that's cliche to say, but they were your hardest workers, and and he saw that, and he saw what happens when you put in that time and, and you believe in the process and you believe in the culture that we have, um, to model and mimic, you know what was happening in front of them, and you know it's just has been something that's been passed down for for eight straight years almost for us. You know we've we've had we've had eight straight Division One football players here at Lewis Central, and and um, you know has been passed down from from one guy to the next, from one class to the next, that they they understand what it's going to take and thomas ran with it and he knew what he wanted to do he knew what he wanted to accomplish and you know and he said it yesterday you know there's no shortness of confidence in his ability that he wants to be the best um he doesn't just want to be the best in at lewis central or in council Us or in the state of iowa he wants to be the best at nebraska he wants to be the best in in the big 10 and that's what just continues to drive and motivate him you know every step of the way and you know, for us and, and for me personally, you know, he, he got so much energy and excitement about what he's doing is that I had to ask him to back off of some of the stuff because he, you know, there was times that he didn't need to go as hard. There was a couple times during the season he was dealing with two bad ankles and, and we wanted the limits of the practice and he wanted to go and, you know, they, he just has a motor that goes all the time and, and, you know, once he hones that in even more, he's getting that much better.
2: Head coach of Lewis Central in uh, Council Bluffs. Justin Camrade with us. Uh, Hail Bar City Radio. We're talking about his player, Thomas Fedoni. Obviously a huge get for Nebraska. And you just kind of laid out the the importance of not only your best player being what he is uh, from a mentality standpoint, but your best player also being the hardest worker for that example to set. And, and I'm interested um how his his skill set can be featured and fit from what you've seen from nebraska and overall just what was the process like for you i mean you had the world of college football uh on your front doorstep talking to you about thomas and it's not new for you because you've a lot you like you said you've had a lot of other kids go d1 how did you help or assist uh the recruiting process
4: yeah. Um, you know, you think of, of Thomas's skill set and what he does um, and what Nebraska is currently doing, uh, what they're trying to do. You know, you can only speculate on, on where they're going to go based on what the coaches have done in the past and where they have been in the past and what they share with you as far as what their philosophy is going forward and what they feel they need to continue to improve upon. And um, I don't think there's any question that they want to feature a tight end. They want to use tight ends. Or- You know, they just took three in this recruiting class and have several other guys um, at that position that they really want to feature that and they understand maybe in the Big Ten that that's a position of need. You talk about his skill set and what he brings to it. You know, he has always been a true outside wide receiver force, obviously a big outside receiver force and a mismatch problem. Um, You know, but this year, with his ability to understand the game and understand route running, we were able to put him into the slot. and So, you know, Nebraska could obviously do that same thing as a, as a bigger guy in the slot. He becomes a mismatch if he pulls some of those outside linebackers on strong safeties with his height. Um, you know, we brought him into the backfield as our H-back and brought him out of the backfield and motioned him and did some stuff and asked him to block as an inline tight end. You know, so he has done it all, and, and I think he has the ability to do all of those, which makes him very intriguing to be able to play multiple positions and excel at all of those positions. Um, it will truly just be on, on what Nebraska, how they truly want to feature him and, and utilize him. Do I see him as an outside guy? No, not predominantly, but he could definitely flex out there as a tight end to do that. Um, you know, so he definitely has a lot of upside to bring to Nebraska. He's not just a down tight end mm-hmm. that's in the run game blocking. So, you know, and then you obviously you talk about the recruiting aspect of it. It's obviously, um, once again, I think it's a, a tribute to all the guys that come before that many of these big schools recognize that we're able to develop some football players that they will keep coming back and, and recognize the talent that we have. Um, you know, so it's really not new for us. It's great because it continues to bring coaches to our front door and get some of our younger kids, which, you know, in our next class we have another another kid that has five division one offers. And so, you know, it brings coaches in to see some of those guys um to play as well and so you know obviously it's great for us great as a school great as a community to be on the south side of council Bluffs, be a smaller school you know producing the type of kids and athletes um that that we've had coach justin Camrade with us here on Hale varsity radio is the coach of thomas fedoni uh, huskers top signee from this 2021 class uh, and coach with a guy like thomas uh, just an uh an all-world talent pretty much uh, at his age um he, he kind of steps into a role uh, similar to what Wandale Robinson stepped into when he came to Nebraska, where he kind of instantly becomes a, a brand ambassador for the football program. So off the field, I know Husker fans know what Thomas Foddy brings on the field, but off the field, what kind of guy is Thomas? Yeah, he's just one of those guys. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely not one of those vocal leaders, but he plays with passion, he plays with energy. Um, you know, he obviously wants to get after it and do that kind of stuff. Very confident individual. You know, he does all the things that you ask from as a coach. You know, you want him, you want him to be on time and place. You want him to to, to show up and, and show the younger guys what type of work ethic it's going to take to be successful. Um, you know, and then obviously in the classroom, you know, obviously excels in the classroom. Does exactly what he needs to do. You know, he was an all district academic guy um, for us this year, so he gets it gets it done in the classroom as he does on the field. And you know, then in, then in the school, obviously many kids respect him and and value him and and things like that. so, you know, very well respected amongst all the peers as well.
2: Justin Camrade's with us. Uh, Lewis central head coach, council bluffs, Thomas Fedoni coach, uh, about a minute and a half left or so. And just overall, how did you keep your kids motivated during this crazy COVID season? Just from a coaching standpoint, how were you able to connect and, and, and keep uh, things positive?
4: <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the number one question. Um, and I think it was just instilling hope in these guys, especially for our senior class and, and Thomas like that. Is you know our kids, our kids thrive. They love the game of football. You know, we we put a lot of emphasis in that, and just instilled hope that we were going to get the opportunity to be able to play um, this year, and and kept them motivated that way. We were able to to find a gym for. Um, not our entire team, but a lot majority of our team to be able to get together during the quarantine time. Um, a local gym here in town that the kids all went to and they trained together. And so that was something that was, was pretty positive. I think that, that kept our kids in the mindset of the game until we were able to meet up with them in July. That was the first time that we really got our kids from, from March to July. We really never saw them and we weren't able to do anything. And so, we, we had meet weekly and bi-weekly zoom meetings as football team and just try to talk about you know what we want to do what we wanted to accomplish and so try to stay in contact with those kids as much as possible get them together as much as possible um, and things like that and obviously it worked out in our favor we were ready to go by by July and we were ready to get back to football and see each other and you know, I'm just obviously extremely proud and, and grateful that we're able to get through the season we did and, and obviously for Thomas himself to have the season that he did as well.
2: Coach Justin Camerad, uh, Lewis Central head coach, uh, tremendous program there in Council Bluffs and big-time talent in Thomas Fedoni, Max Duggan, and uh, Logan Jones. Coach, it was great to chat with you. Thanks for the insight today. I always appreciate your time.
4: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on, and uh, best of luck with everything.
2: All right. Take care. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Thanks for spending Saturday with us here. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranack, Damon Barr. Breaking am, news. You know, I, the, news? The, the pig farmer is back. Brett Bielema uh-huh. announced
1: as the new head football coach at Bre- Illinois.
2: Illinois. I think Lovey left him some good ball players to be honest with you. Not enough well, of them. Well, and look, look, I say what you want about Beelama and what maybe what his
1: fit was or was not. The Jets sweep is back. Down in Arkansas, his team's played physically. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't think he's the smartest best coach in the world, but he gets his teams to play with a certain physical element, which is good. Um, and you're right. There, there are some ballers on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. And he knows the territory. He knows Big Ten. I, look, not a bad hire. Siphon bad off hire. some
2: of those Wisconsin and Iowa recruits on the line so they're not as deep and talented. And, you know, just another boring Saturday. We uh, yeah. welcome in. Sam,
1: Sam. By the way, Sam McEwen, kind of funny. He, <laughs> what he happened? Treated, treated two thoughts. The Brett bowl. Brett Bowl one is October 23rd. Number two, Brett's going to Ireland. (laughs) Oh, damn. That's right. (laughs) Like, look out,
0: pubs.
1: (laughs) 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 You have not seen a six-foot-nine, 370-pound.
2: Seamus, double your efforts on Guinness. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, we welcome in Brandon Vogel, uh, managing editor, hailvrcity dot com and magazine author, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. We say hi to Vogues. Vogues, the Husker bingo card was full. Fair to say last night.
3: <laughs> yeah, had a, had a bit of everything uh, on a cold cold night in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I, I think, if I recall correctly, Coach Ross mentioned it after the game. You know how many teams uh, give up for turnovers and a kickoff return touchdown and win um it, it's actually happened in nebraska before uh, bill callahan did it against western illinois uh nebraska <laughs> had four turnovers that day uh, gave up a kickoff return and, and won that one so this one was a little bit harder work though
2: it yeah. was and you just that's what's burned into my my you know you, you try and sift through and are you are you is your beer half full, your beer half empty, keeping with this beer limited to Ireland and, and pub theme? And my takeaway is amazement that Nebraska found a way to win last night and they were dominant. They were dominant on offense, they were dominant on defense, but it was the holiday season to to keep gifting. And the the turnovers, the kickoff return, the special teams, the fumbles, the interceptions. What's your take on on Rutgers? Is Rutgers that bad of a team that they can't capitalize, or was it more about Nebraska cleaning themselves up in the second half, sticking to the run, and then just grounding and pounding here? I mean, your 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 column's phenomenal. Uh, com is where you can read Brandon's work. And what you said about Bear Bryant, well, just, you know, not to lose the game, right? So where, where, where's your takeaway with this? What sticks out more to you? The fact that Nebraska did their thing offensively and defensively in the second half, or still the turnovers to kind of keep Rutgers ahead and in this thing?
3: Yeah, so Rutgers has gotten a lot better, um, but it also had about as far to go as as any Power 5 team uh, not named Kansas, you know, it, 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 Greg channel done, done a good job, but every power ranking you're going to care to look at is going to have Rutgers listed as the, the worst team in, in the big Ten. Um, which is, you know, which isn't to say that they're bad necessarily. It's just to say there's still a pretty sizable gap there between uh, the, the Scarlet Knights and then the rest of the pack. And, for, for quite a while there, it looked like man, Nebraska's going to find a way to lose this one too, despite the fact that it felt like they could move the ball every time they had it, as long as they weren't turning it over. I, I think defensively, uh, it was so statistically, it was a good night for, for the black shirts, but mm-hmm. also a, a good night in terms of their response. Uh, half of half of Rucker's drives. Ended between the 40s, which which is can be a good sign, particularly when you're you're losing the field position battle pretty significantly thanks to those turnovers. Um, stopping teams before those those drives become real scoring threats and get a little bit deeper into your territory is one of those kind of toughness slash response things. So, you know, it, I wrote last night after the game, and I, I still feel that way uh, 12 hours later. That. It was, it was kind of the perfect encapsulation of this season. And it's good that Nebraska got a win despite playing kind of the maddeningly um, messy brand of football that's, that's become all too common the last three years. But it also just underscores, like, that absolutely has to change. There's, there's no bigger question for Nebraska than how do you kind of find some continuity? Uh, how do you know what you're going to get game to game from this team and, and it's not easy to answer because I mean it goes right to the heart of what coaching is
1: mm. yeah Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio Real last kind of comment on R- Rutgers by the way uh, Sikowski, Sikowski that, was the most, that was the most that was the most <laughs> Bowserman like quarterback that I think Nebraska's faced in the conference um, <laughs> like if, if Vedro was playing quarterback last night uh, I don't know if we're talking about a Husker win today um, who knows but black shirts played well, but did they did not get a lot out of the quarterback position. Um, Brandon, it, it's funny offensively for for Nebraska this year. You know the kind of running joke, but there's a lot of truth to it. Is Nebraska's best offensive play is the quarterback scramble, and you know there is some truth to that. Like it's broken plays, Martinez from McCaffrey take off, get some yards. that's usually one of three things why you're scrambling one receivers aren't open two, protection breaks down or three you're just too uh you have too too happy of feet as a quarterback which one of those three do you think it really is um and the reason why nebraska had to scramble so much was it guys not open was it protection breaking down or was it quarterbacks with happy feet
3: Um, I would, I would shade towards two, um, probably, I'd probably go two, three, one in in descending order, you know, and, and some of it might not be necessarily happy feet other than we've seen that in the past. Certainly that's, that's part of, of the Adrian Martinez profile for sure. But you found so much success when you did pull it down, it was kind of, and, and that's hard. You know, there's a reason that mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks even that are maybe not classic runners but are functional scramblers are so dangerous because it's it's tough to defend for a defense like Rutgers, which has, has made some strides, but still is just kind of towards the start of whatever that journey is going to look like under Greg Ciano, it, It's almost like advanced stuff. Like, okay, well, maybe you can get this covered and maybe you can put some pressure on the quarterback but then are you still good enough for when the second part of this play comes, when the impro- improvisation comes, to, to deal with it? I mean, it was and, – and they weren't. They, they clearly weren't. Like Adrian Martinez had the first ever 32-yard quarterback stroll, which is the only way I can describe it, <laughs> where there was just so much room that it, it felt like almost literally a walk in the park. And it, at that point, you're like, OK, yeah, the Rutgers is struggling to deal with this. They're doing some good things defensively. They're sound. They're at least where they're supposed to be most of the time. But that was one where, <laughs> you know, it, the whole field just kind of opened up. So, and, you know, credit to credit to, to Martinez in the second half there. You know, it would have been easy after those two fumbles. Um, and I mean, there were even others that weren't lost to be a little bit gun shy with running the football but it's the best part of his game you know and you can't be you can't be afraid to go to that weapon even if you got burned a couple of times early
2: so how did that conversation go adrian you know we're not we're not a sleeve wearing program but all right you're our captain so go ahead but if you fumble twice we're going to each time you fumble we're taking a piece of clothing so uh, you get the scissors out and Bang, he's sleeveless, and the turnovers cease, at least when it comes to the fumble game. In all, in all seriousness, though, um, this is Adrian Ball. You've got three, three years of starts. You've gotten some just remarkable yards. You've got a few wins, and you have a boatload of turnovers. That, 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 is, that, that is the history here. So moving forward, can that behavior change or is this going to just be another roller coaster next season? And I'm asking big picture quarterback because, dude, he did so much last night to win the game for you. Running it, throwing it, looked better. I mean, that nice play to Wandale, right? He ripped the football. But he also, triple coverage, end zone turnover, son of a B. Yeah, two fumbles at the 50 or deeper. And fumbles are going to happen, I I kind of get it from time to time nobody's perfect interceptions do happen but brother 3 in the first half and you still keep going to him cuz he's your best chance to win especially with Luke on the sideline can Adrian ball find a happy medium moving forward
3: yeah it's it's it, it's tough cuz like you said you know we're we're 3 years in and it looks a lot the same man the, the fumbling part of it is is certainly a, a trait um, to to a certain degree. Yes, you know they they can be a little bit random, but but the interceptions were were tough um, last night in terms of well both of them really, but particularly down in the end zone. Yeah. Like you just it felt like those are I mean those really are game flipping plays, and against the better team like Northwestern, you know they ended up making that a game flipping play. So, I I would expect Nebraska to have a totally open quarterback competition in this this upcoming offseason and somebody's got to separate themselves and I think the bar for for winning that job should be relatively low. Like you, you know, cuz you saw it in, in a little bit with Luke and he just hasn't played as much so you don't kind of feel like it's as set in stone to the degree that it might be with Martinez. But like the boom bust, spectacular play, spectacular failure cycle, it needs to end. And I think for a guy like like Smothers, and the early reports, you know, he's a freshman, but early reports have been promising on on him. You know, somebody who can just kind of let this offense work for them and make the correct decision. Like you'd give up a little bit of spectacular playmaking ability at this point if you're Nebraska in exchange for just cleaner play, more consistent play, I guess would be the best way to put it. So I think that's going to be a continual story, uh, as Nebraska turns page to twenty twenty
1: one. You know, and you mentioned quarterback, Brandon. I know you spent some time with Mario Vedusco and he's a He's a fascinating guy, period. he's just such an outlier. like <laughs> there's nobody in college football like him, obviously, uh, just in his style and kind of his approach. Um, but is this maybe the first year where you start to question start to wonder out loud a little bit more like, I don't know, are they thinking too much? Is he feeling these guys' heads with too much? And it's not not that it would be all on him? And Frost is obviously a part of this too, but like when you look at the performance of both Martinez and McCaffrey now. Um, it's a turnover-prone bunch that, that doesn't, I don't know, entirely feel comfortable, doesn't necessarily let the game come to them. They tend to force things, both of them. W- where do you kind of land on uh, you know, maybe what Nebraska does or doesn't do in the offseason there?
3: Yeah, I think, so the big difference in 2020 for me between Martinez and McCaffrey was I could, I, I saw more often with, with Martinez kind of going through the progression. He looked like the more ex, ex, experienced quarterback. And, and I think that's gotten a little bit better on, on his front, but it still feels a lot of the time to me like, like you're watching somebody do long division a little bit. Like you can watch him (laughs) go through the progression, but it feels like but but you feel it, right? Like you're like, okay, there's like some processing going on here. And, you know, I don't know if they have a quarterback on the roster who can do that and make it feel and look a little bit more natural. But if they do, I I would probably make that one the the favorite to win the job, uh, assuming it is indeed open. I mean, the coaching staff, both both Mario and Scott Frost, have said since they since they arrived that you got to be a the, the quick blinker, right? Um, and, and I don't know that. Well, we haven't seen it often enough at, at Nebraska. And you're talking about a player who's played, uh, you know, a lot of games over three seasons. And I, I don't want this to come across as as negative about Martinez, I think we, you know, we pretty fairly summarize like what he is capable of. And right now he's, he's one of Nebraska's best players. Um, I, I still think that even with some of the, the kind of hangups that we see continually. So, you know, <laughs> what do you do? It's just, when you see him make some of those runs and, and they hold onto the ball and there's some stunning individual efforts from him. And it's, it's just, It's kind of emblematic, I think, of of the program as as a whole. It just feels a little bit too chaotic to produce consistent results still.
2: That's just it. You're you're trying to drill down on consistency. And can you just – is it a definition for Adrian? Is this who you are? History says yes, right? But there's still a season of football to be played. Next year, a senior season – and uh, we'll see because, you know, he was so good last night, but it was so off putting as well if you're a Nebraska fan because you, you're down and you're struggling because of of the turnover side of things. Brandon Vogel's with us, hailvarsity.com and magazine managing editor. Vogel's overall, um, three and five. And I think you, you could argue you could flip that around uh, five and three. And Nebraska, as they say, left some some points on the field this season with their record of their losses, their one score games, but a win feels better for the fan base going in. W- what's your immediate reaction with with a bowl opportunity? Do you think this team's too just wore down to to look at it? I think I mean, I think if I'm Bill Moose, I, I really try and get my, my kids and my head coach to go. And I think Scott would want to go. But I don't think we can. As crazy as 2020's been for everybody in some aspect, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a football player or coach, and say, "Man, do you, do you want to, You fought to play. God love you. You did play. It didn't go as planned. Uh, it's been very energy draining. So let's let's take a road trip to somewhere that may or may not allow people. Do you think the brand, What was your initial blush, blush last night about bowling?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, the, my sense from kind of the players and from what Coach Frost had to say about it is, it seemed pretty unlikely that they're going to, I guess, opt in to to that opportunity should it present itself. And I, I think it would. Um, I think if Nebraska wanted to go to a bowl game, it, it would it would find an opportunity to do so. I kind of look at it with the schedule already ending, you know, this late in the year, a lot of the typical upside for, for a bowl game isn't, isn't really there. I mean, you'd you'd be playing soon. Like you basically go right into another game week, most likely, unless somehow you ended up with one of those kind of first week of January bowl games that are on the, I guess, lower end of the, the bowl spectrum. Detroit. So, uh, yep. Yeah. So I, I you know, I could see like, to me, it makes a lot of sense to to sit out because if you are playing that early, you're, you're probably not going to use all of those bowl practices that you would be allowed anyway, which, which is kind of tough for as much as, you know, news and, and, and Nebraska have talked about missing bowl practices as if, you know, that explains everything from, from the past three years that that that's always been kind of maddening to me. I mean, yes, it'd be good to have those and, and, and have a little bit more time to, to just work on things, but that, that's not why Nebraska is where it is. So it may feel a little bit kind of counterintuitive choosing to, to give up those practices after talking about not having them for the past two and a half seasons. But in, in this year with, guys you know i mean it, it, adrian martinez to to say publicly he hasn't seen his family since march which i had forgotten about he was one of those guys that kind of never left lincoln um know, yeah, that that's pretty tough so i think he ended on a win in rutgers so it, it wasn't pretty well it was it was nebraska from from start to finish uh, personally I, if i were a player in that position i would be ready to turn the page and start thinking about how do we how do we address some of these things for the season ahead
1: yeah, Brandon Vogel on uh, on Hale Varsity Radio. It's, yeah, I know. Uh, however, would it surprise you? Because Frost point blank said he's going to leave it to the players to decide, which I thought was a pretty interesting approach, right? He's going to leave it to the players. It, you've heard from the coaches quite a bit about how this team loves to play football. And you're just sort of like, God, they're such in the routine now. Would it surprise you if they just voted? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go play another game.
3: It, it would surprise me a little bit. I mean, I think I, I, I don't think I I'm, I don't want to see like I get a sense that, yeah, the majority of these guys are just ready for, for a break because I don't, I, I don't know. um. But the, but the fact that it's kind of open-ended tells me there's, there's at least some that, that, that probably would after, after a difficult year or so, you know, I, it would surprise me. It wouldn't be a total shock. You know, Nebraska was very out front with its desire to play, and and that doesn't go away. Uh, you know, I wrote that in the December issue of of Hale Varsity. Whatever, you know, we don't we don't fully understand exactly how hard it was for for teams to pull this off, and I mean all teams, but also Nebraska, um, and, and they deserve some credit for that. It's, they're like, yeah, it was it was hard work, and we're 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 just not ready. We don't see the upside in doing it one more time. I would get it too. So yeah. I, I'm kind of ready to take whatever decision Nebraska Nebraska makes there, if if they in fact have a decision to make.
2: Go to Phoenix. We'll be down there. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, Vogues. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your championship Saturday. It's fun to chat this morning. Thanks for your work on the Big Red this fall, man. Appreciate you doing it.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys.
2: There he is. Brandon Vogel's thanks, Brandon. with us, uh, managing editor, hailvarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. The Iron Horse is coming up. Gary Sharp's next. It's Hail Varsity Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio the voice of Husker Nation.
3: Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach.
2: Weekend edition, back with you. Tail of Our City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie will get to Nebraska, will get to signing day. Uh, the pig farmer, Brett Bielema, back in college football, back in the Big Ten. Are you surprised Illinois went with Bielema over Leopold? And, and do you think Lance from Buffalo, former Nebraska assistant, just is being patient here? What's your take on this?
0: Well, I think Lance is a really good football coach. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, they excelled last night in the MAC championship. But I don't think every best coach in the MAC should go to Illinois to be the head coach. So <laughs> I think he could be patient. Um, and and choose where he wants to go. I think it's a really good hire for Illinois. They move quickly after firing Lovie Smith. They hire a guy in Brett Bielema that knows the league. Um, You know, he has a little swag. People know who he is. He's got got a little bravado. Um, He can recruit. Can he be a good football coach out of the Barry Alvarez system? That's always the question. Um, But he's walking into a program that is in a lot better spot than when Lovie Smith inherited it. Um, they want to win there. They've committed to their facilities. I think he's a really good fit for the West Division and the Big Ten, and it's a good thing for the Big Ten as they continue to ask, uh, add to their uh, coaching cachet.
1: Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Nebraska's regular season is over, yet to be seen if they'll play a bowl game, obviously. Um, probably find out about something about that this weekend or, or early next week, but I know it's early. It just ended last night. Gary, but let's, let's kind of, let's look back on the year that was two, uh 2020 uh, for Nebraska football. What does Scott need to look at? What does he need to, I, we know what he needs to fix sloppy football. How does he fix it? Will he fix it? Or do you think this is just sort of how their team's going to be?
0: Well, let's hope it's not what you just mentioned. Uh, I think last night was a nice night to just enjoy the game. Um, whether Nebraska was 2 or 6 or 3 and 5, for me personally, wasn't going to change what I thought of the season or where they had to go. But it's nice to go out on a positive note. I just You listen to guys after the game. They're worn out. The head coach on down. Uh, so I don't know if they'll play in a bowl game. I think it's all about timing. If they're, if they're asked to play uh, a week from today, I doubt they play. Um, but, you know, here's, here's the thing about this season. This season didn't go anywhere close to what we thought. But yet there were certain areas where guys made strides. That defense was good enough this year, outside of one game, to give Nebraska a chance. Actually, a game and a half. So the defense made strides. Um, you know, it's a very confusing program right now because there's a lot of things to like, and you can kind of see some things, and then you go, man... They're playing Rutgers, who is not very good, but has a little bit of a resurgence. And Nebraska has 331 yards more of offense, and they're only up seven. Okay, why? And it's something you just mentioned, Mark. you got mistakes. you got penalties. you got turnovers. Um, I think there's things to be tweaked. I think there's definitely things to be fixed. And there's no reason to believe that the head guy will not do it because I've said this. When Nebraska walks off the field against Minnesota on Black Friday, Next year, the end of 2021, there will be no gray area on if this is going to work or not. It's either moving forward or you've got to make a tough decision. But I would like to see Scott start to treat this program as a business. I know he's got a personal connection because of being a former player, as a fan, um, all of those things. And now he's the head coach. He's got to treat this as a business. And he's got to make some business decisions in the offseason, whether it be with his roster or his staff, to move this thing forward thing to keep in mind about Scott as well is he can be stubborn. He believes in this process, guys, that this is going to work, that what he sees as an offense is going to finally flip. We're all waiting for it to flip. Maybe last night they showed you a little bit of their identity on offense. We'll see. But I think the next couple of weeks will be very intriguing in terms of who's going to be here uh, moving forward. But 21 just became super,
3: super important.
2: Gary Sharps with us. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Let's talk uh, about Adrian Martinez and had a buddy text me last night and just kind of called it, you know, this is maddening. It's Adrian ball where you have uh, a ton of yards. You have uh, some dynamic playmaking. But, you know, case in point, the guy puts the brakes on on a quarterback run and then gets flipped at the 50 and fumbles after getting out of a lot of trouble to pick up about 12 yards. Can can Adrian change what he is when it comes to the mistakes? And listen, interceptions will happen when you throw. I get it. But the red zone interception, the where the ball, where was that going? You know, moment with Wandale, and then you see the wheel route and you see the tight end and him rip the football down the seam. So I'm not piling on the guy. The guy's really talented. But you can't live with four turnovers, three in the first half. Can he Undo that, or is that what you got to live with if he's your quarterback?
0: That's all part of the confusing thing, guys. Um, you know, the turnovers, it's, it's a tradition like, I, I don't want to say none other, because it's a tradition <laughs> that happens once a game. Um, it was interesting. He was wearing sleeves once. when he was having trouble holding onto the ball. Then he cut off his sleeves, and he never fumbled again. Um, but he, the, the, the decision-making was really, really sloppy at the beginning. Um, but then you look at that wheel route that you just described. That drive is how this offense is supposed to work. They, and that's a drive also that featured a penalty that put them behind the sticks early in that drive. Is They schemed that play on third and eight where they, they motioned Robinson into the backfield, and then they ran him on the wheel route, and he was wide open, and Martinez hit him perfectly. They executed it. was schemed well. It got you 18, kept the drive alive, and you know how it ended with a touchdown. That's the number one question, guys, in the offseason is what do you do with quarterback? Because this program will not move forward offensively, defensively, special teams until you figure out the quarterback play where you can get consistent, effective play out of that that makes the rest of your offense go. I know it's not just one guy on that side of the ball. You need the ten others. But there's just so much about Scott Frost's offense and his mindset that, that quarterback has to be really, really good and has to be efficient and can't be mistake-prone for them to move forward. Is that Adrian? That's where you get the business discussion. Is he my guy moving forward, or is our guy on the roster, or is our guy right now sitting in a portal or sitting in somebody else's classroom in this country that's going to be our quarterback next year? Um, that's a tough question, but you know what? You've you got to win football games next year, and you've got to find the best people that can help you win.
1: Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, Frost p- proclaimed, you know, one of his bold proclamations is the, you know, no, f- no fear of failure. That's, that's something that our team, that our program is going to be about. I just see it as one example w- when you talk about being the head coach, running it as a business. I see that as one example of mixed messages that you are sending from the top of the, you know, top of the top of the hierarchy there. Uh, as the leader, when you decide to do things like fair catch kicks, right? Do you think it, it, put it this way, I think it's things like that that's holding this program back. I don't think it's a lot of physical things, right? I don't think it's a commitment thing. I think you have, generally speaking, a roster full of dudes that are committed. I think, generally speaking, you have decent enough talent to have more wins than you have. I think they're in really good shape and are pretty strong and are pretty fast. I think all those things are covered. I think it is just minute mental things that, that is holding this program back right now. What, what is your take on that?
0: Well, I, I agree, and that's why it can be confusing. Um, because you talk about no fear of failure. Nebraska finished the game last night with a seven-plus-minute non-scoring drive to close out the game. And they went for it on fourth down. There's the fear of failure. Um, I, I think this is another part of the involvement of this football program with Scott as the head coach, is the message that you are delivering, you have to believe it, sell the belief, and then you have to live it. You can't just have that be lip service because now we're going into year four and, and you can't fool anybody. I mean, they're, they're asking the questions – They want to be validated for their progress. You want to be validated for your progress. So I think there's going to be a lot of truth that's going to be shared here in the offseason. And where this program is, I think that's okay. You're right, Mark. They play hard. I mean, we haven't had a game this year where, gosh, you go, man, they quit. They play hard. Don't always play smart. So what is the difference? Here's what I think is a great line that I've thought about for a while. And, and, Mark, you're in an aggressive business. Schmitty, you and I are in an aggressive business. Mm-hmm. Is I think there's this thing that Nebraska is missing called competitive endurance. I believe that everybody in that program wants to be good, but the competitive endur- endurance separates the great superstar athletes and the superstar teams where you are so competitive, but you understand that not just one little win, you're done. You need to be better than that win and then be better than that win and keep going and going and going and going and look at any successful football teams, any successful organizations. That's what they have. is called competitive endurance where you want to win and you just want to keep topping the the next win and the next win and the next win and keep going. Can they find those guys in this program? I believe that they are there They've just got to be able to punch the right button for this program to move forward and, and get momentum and keep momentum because that's been an issue for three years.
2: Sharpie, a, a thought here on on organization. And you look at the game last night, and we all agree it pretty much summed up 2020. Some good, some bad, some ugly, some what the heck. And from the top on down, you're the man of this program, Scott Frost, the head coach, Scott Frost, the caretaker and overseer. Is his personality and skill set when it comes to organization and running this thing as a business, is that there or does he have the people around him to help him with it if he's not the CEO type? I mean, that that's my question because it's got to come from him all the way down to be air quote buttoned up. And I know he's a really smart offensive guy. I know he's been a position coach. I know he's been a coordinator. I know he's been a head coach, but truly to be kind of Osborne like with the CEO part, where is that in his progression?
0: Well, that, that, that I don't know. I, I, you know, he has a, he has a strong circle of people that he advises and talks to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, on, this is on Scott. This is on Scott as the evolution of a head coach at a major college football program to want to get better. He's got to have competitive endurance, and he does. We know he's a competitive mm-hmm. guy. But there's certain things that you can see in everybody's football program that reflect the coach's personality. You know, Urban Meyer took care of the small details. He was a big, small detail guy. We take care of the small details. We won't even have to worry about the big details because everything will fall in line. Well, I think one of the major off-season projects for Nebraska, in terms of taking care of the small details, put the turnover issues aside, and either giving it up or not being able to take it away on a consistent basis. Guys, when I look at football programs and I'm trying to get the identity of a program on how they operate day-to-day, I usually look at special teams because that's one area that gets pushed to the side. Nebraska... I would, if I was Nebraska, I would go all in, whether it means you rearrange some things so you have, instead of an analyst, you have a full-time special teams coach, you've got to fix special teams, because special teams are costing Nebraska momentum, they're costing Nebraska games, Um, you have to figure out what you want to do there, get that shored up, you finally got the place-kicking job shored up, and Connor Colt's going to come back next year, but... Why, were, why was Nebraska kicking to a guy that last year Killed returned him. a kickoff for a touch? Why? why? Why were you doing that? And then what's, what's the philosophy on kickoffs and kickoff returns? You've got to fix that. And if you fix that, look at that. That's a small detail in there that leads to, okay, that'll fix some of the bigger details. So that's another one on the priority list. That also will show me if that's an area – that he undertakes in the offseason. Maybe he does it himself. Okay, Nebraska's headed in the right direction, and Scott can see the big picture and what has to be taken care of underneath the surface to get to the top.
1: Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Now, Fr- Frost was asked that last night in the postgame, like, hey, why did you decide to kick to a Crookshank? And Frost, without, you know, he was delicate. He didn't want to throw the kicker under the bus, but he's like, we did not decide to do that.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. I love the answer. what
1: happened. Yeah.
0: But, but you know what? But where does that start? The kicker doesn't just go out there and go, okay, hey, hey, there's that guy that I saw in film for Wisconsin running down the sidelines last year. I bet he can't do it again. Boom, here we go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, the, the, the fake punt looks like a carbon copy well, of the Illinois one.
0: You know, and what, the
1: kick and return it, looked like a carbon copy of Crookshank's return last so,
0: year. So I've 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 gambled quite a bit on Rutgers this year. And so I've seen more Rutgers games than really anybody should have to see. Uh-huh. And they they've done that. I'm actually surprised they didn't try more trick plays on offense, which they've done a lot this year. But that has been open for them a couple of times, like wide open. This is just me a degenerate watching some Rutgers football <laughs> Where is the special teams coach watching film going, you know what, they have tempted this, they've done it, we've got, to, we've got to watch out for this. Because, I mean, he could have run forever, and that's twice this year that Nebraska has been, you know, duped. You can't let that happen. I understand one. You can't let it happen twice.
1: No, no. And, look, you know, something Chris and I touched on earlier, it's, and it's a little delicate, I'll be honest, um, that I just want to bring up. So look, Nebraska's starting left tackle, who has started like 40 plus games, a recruit of a bygone era, elects not to play the last game of the year. Right? You're talking about an offensive lineman. You're talking to who, by nature, are pretty selfless. Like his job is to protect the the backside of his starting quarterback. It's a really important job. He bows out. <sighs> does that sit right? Like I understand from his perspective, look, he, he, you understand it from a personal point of view, but in terms of like the kind of guys you want to bring onto your team, he's not a receiver. He's not a DB. That's not a diva position. He's not a first rounder. Does that, did that kind of rub you just a little bit wrong?
0: No, not at all. I think, I think he made a business. He made a wise business decision. Um, He's somebody who has stuck it out, who has been a, a good uh, person in the locker room. He's been a leader. Um, I think this was predetermined with him that when the regular season was over, with the unknown of what would happen in that last week, that that would be it for him. And, and I, know, I, know, I know, Mark, not everybody agrees with my opinion. Not everybody agrees with yours. But let's, let's spin this on a positive light. Brendan Hymas not playing last night did Nebraska a little bit of a favor for 21 because I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a big boy who I think is 18 years old. Where's number 69? He's one of the top 10 most highly acclaimed recruits that Nebraska football has ever had. If you go by 24-7's composite, Mm -hmm. Turner Corcoran last night started at left tackle. He had had 18 snaps this year playing behind Hymas. He goes in last night, does not leave the field. You hardly talk about him, and you watch him, and they had confidence to run behind him on fourth down there yeah. late in the game. And they also mm-hmm. had – he was pancaking, guys. So I'm going to take it that way. Turner Corcoran, if Nebraska doesn't play anymore this year, got himself one full game, and he'll be the next guy at a tackle spot to start for many, many years. He is one of the most promising young offensive linemen that Nebraska has put on the field in a while. I'll look at it that way instead of going, oh, Hymas bailed on his team. Thank you, yeah, Brendan Hymus He yeah. played 40 straight games.
1: No, I get it. And and it, that's why I said it's delicate, because it's not to call out Hymas as much as it is... It, it is interesting sort of the personality profiles that you have that you have or don't have on your team that's fair and that's fair I, right and it's just um, I, it was just a surprising move um but you get it professionally anyway no, ruckers yeah. on the road <laughs> at the end of a two and five you know you understand it
2: turner of. was was fantastic right. last night and that's that's big sharpie i got about 2 minutes and you're always so kind with us, so we'll get you out of here on this did last night reveal at least some step towards an identity on the ground for Nebraska as you move forward?
0: God, I'd like to believe so because wasn't that pretty? That was awesome. Wasn't that, wasn't that just beautiful? Um, Everybody's
1: back on the run-the-ball bus, Gary. Yes, we are, and you're Everybody's driving it crazy.
0: <laughs> well, you know, guys, guys, we said that last week against Minnesota. Look at, man, they're struggling to stop the run. Run the ball. Nope, we're going to throw it 27 times. Rutgers had given up 443 yards in the last two games on the ground. Run the ball. Hey, thank you. They ran it 58 times. Um, I think I think there were a lot, of, a lot of parts of the offense last night with what they schemed up and what they wanted to do on certain down situations where you could say, okay, yeah, running the ball is going to be an identity, but a swing pass in the end zone, that kind of stuff, still can't get that out of my head. Now you wonder what is Mill's decision because last night was a good night for his tape. What does he do? Because guys – behind him, I think it's a jumbled mess of of these great unknown parts for Nebraska running back. But I liked liked their efficiency last night. They ran the ball 58 times, and they threw the ball to 10 different pass catchers. That hasn't happened in a long time for Nebraska. I want to say, yes, it's going to happen, guys. That's the identity. But we know this program basically is week-to-week instead of setting up an identity from month-to-month. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a good way to end. That gives you a little tease. Maybe that's, that's an interesting. thing.
2: Gary Sharp with us, the iron horse Sharpie. Enjoy your football today, man. Busy day of it. And always appreciate you jumping on this morning.
0: Hey, thanks guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to uh, you and the entire crew. Uh, Damon, Elijah behind the scenes. I appreciate it. And, uh, We'll see if we get one more game. It was kind of entertaining last
2: night. That'd be awesome. I hope there is He's one well more great. for Nebraska. We'll uh, get some wings this holiday season. Be good, Sharpie. Thanks, bud. Thank you. All right. Gary Sharp yes. with us, Mark Cranach and uh, Brandon Vogel. Uh, the Rewind featured Justin Camrade head coach of Thomas Fedoni uh, over in Council Bluffs. He had a great profile on his uh, star tight end as it was signing week. Cranach, uh, we are... Not scheduled to uh, to be in next Saturday, which is ah, yes all good. We uh, are looking probably at twenty twenty one that first Saturday in in January to be back for the weekend edition. Is it is this
1: subject to change if Nebraska doesn't go if, play the game
2: if they go bowling? I mean I'm not going to if they uh, are playing next Saturday. If they do go, yes,
1: we'll yeah. Uh, it's subject to change. If hey, they, by the way, they are playing. Ridiculous. We'll be in. Prediction, running back position, tape it, tape this, record this. Gabe Irvin ends up being your starting running back next year if Mills leaves. I'm and fine. that is the signee out of Georgia. Okay. I'm serious. And
2: Damon's like, shut the hell up, go go to break. Um, <laughs> uh, Listen, I think Irvin's nice. I think you've allegedly recruited well at running back. Let's mm-hmm. develop some of those dudes because, I mean – I don't want to throw them out yet. I think there there's some options there. I mean,
1: his running style, I I really do believe. Okay, I really do believe it translates to college to play immediately.
2: Okay, there there's Kranak's shot. we will uh, bump into you this holiday season, buddy. Thanks for for jumping in. Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Full day of football championship Saturday on ESPN. Lincoln, enjoy. Thanks.